this morning. Great. Thank you, Phil. So um, I feel it feels a little bit funny being introduced uh, to Rivers. I, it feels a bit like uh, going away to college or moving away to a career or something of that nature, and you've missed a few weddings and you've missed a few babies. Um, so when you walk back in the door, you're all family still, but you have to introduce yourself and shake a few hands that you haven't ever shaken before. So um, I, it, it is quite a, a good feeling uh, to be here. It feels quite comfortable. Um, I can't tell you how many times that I've been a part of setting up and tearing down in uh, this hall and many others, as I'm going to talk about here in a second. So, um, But I, I do... Uh, you know, part of me is I'm going to probably ramble at, at times this morning just because so many memories and, and kind of emotions uh, tend to flood in uh, when you've spent a, a chunk of your life. Um, you know, if you, over 20-something percent of my life, uh, I was part of this church. Um, and so it is significant. Um, you know, and I'll just talk about that a little bit, but one, one quick little memory before we pray uh, and I'd ask that you keep the, the scriptures open to Romans 10. Is, uh, so this morning, um, we read, uh, I'm sorry, we sang Be Thou My Vision. And about four years and four or five months ago, Phil preached a sermon uh, in where he challenged us to think of our favorite hymn and memorize it. And sing it to yourself in the car or wherever it may be. Um, and it just so happens that that hymn was beat on my vision it was it was my favorite um my wife was quite gracious she she painted it and hung it in our house but um so i had an old jeep cherokee that i used to drive back and forth on 526 to get to my office in ladson and i used to sing that hymn to myself uh in in a terrible voice just as i still have um but yeah, so just a lot of, a lot of good memories, and, and so I'm quite thankful to have an opportunity to share with you guys this morning, and um, you know, just really bring forward a little bit of what God's put on my heart um, in His Word. So uh, if you'd pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we're in awe of your presence with us, your children, this morning. We've brought our humble repentance before you earlier in the service trusting in your word that we are forgiven and reconciled with you. We're eager to commune with you at your table later. And I pray for your leading and guidance as we explore a portion of the scriptures, seeking to understand what we need to know, what we are to do, and where we are to go. In Christ's precious and holy name, amen. So, as I mentioned, I'm... I'm I'm going to try and stay close to this mic. I said I don't wander, but I really do. Um, so the reality is, it is a big pleasure to be with you guys this morning. Um, you know, again, it may get a little nostalgic, but I'll tell you, you know, as I'm kind of looking out and, and seeing you guys and having some memories, like even another one as it comes in the door, um, I, I tell you, the, the faces really, uh, of the, the faces that I remember and all of you guys have been here, uh, I mean, some of you from Daniel Island when we worshiped there. Uh, some of them were with us at uh, the elementary school on the other side of North Charleston. My youngest daughter was baptized there just eight years ago. 
Um, and uh, we're just, it was just a, a special time. Uh, since then, we, you know, I, I'd love to tell you, so we started at Holy Cross, Daniel Allen Elementary, came over to North Charleston at the theater, the community hall, the elementary school, and now here at North Charleston. So um, I'll tell you, it, it is a bit of an enduring time to be a part of Two Rivers, uh, and those of you new members, uh, who knows what's ahead, but um, it, is, it is a real pleasure in those enduring and trials to, to kind of be a part of, of, of this family, uh, and, you know, I just wanted to um, also kind of say, honestly, though, what makes me really pleased and happy is the new faces. Um, this is, a, this is a testimony, all these new faces and, and these ones that have stayed, of, of the enduring work of this gospel church in this community. Um, that is something that in Scotland so many have faded uh, and died and disappeared. Um, to see, you know, maybe through lots of moves and changes and things, uh, to see this work um, stay, stay going and, and, and people you know and trust are, are going about your work uh, here in Charleston and, and wherever they live. So this morning, um, this particular passage, I hope to encourage you uh, in that path of, of really knowing kind of what we need to know and, and what we're to go about um, through our, our witness in, in Charleston. Um, and and one, one little last touch on enduring. Uh, you know, we can complain about our, our small things and, and maybe some sound equipment or chairs or versus whatever. Um, but there, there was a time where those enduring things bonded this church uh, and, and really brought us close together. Um, I, just, I just remember at the elementary school, the days where the doors wouldn't be unlocked. Uh, and that didn't always happen on a nice, calm fall day. Uh, and a Catherine Smiles, as we remember, just being, uh, this was, by the way, if you don't know, Phil still uses the term summer shorts. This, <laughs> this is where that would have come from, is that we, uh, the doors would be locked in August. And we would, uh, there's a, a bit of a brick awning at that church. And we would show up and we would be there to set up early and there was no way to get in. Um, but we would worship anyways. Um, we would sing praises to the Lord. We would uh, read God's word. Um, Phil would preach, and these were his only actual short sermons that I ever heard. So, um, give giving thanks to that. But um, so, anyways, uh, it, it's just it's just part of a little bit of history, and, and I appreciate you guys uh, just walking with me uh, through some of that. Um, this morning's message, it won't be um, maybe a, a traditional sermon, that it won't be fully expository. Um, I do hope to encourage you through a bit of our testimony of, of our time in Scotland, um, but really walking you through this, this passage of scriptures and, and how it applies to our life, your life, and, and maybe give some examples and provision as, as we've done it. So um, if you wouldn't mind, um, also just understand that Romans, you get six or seven verses from Romans, and you could probably fill a trunk with the sermons. So um, I'm just going to be maybe uh, just touching on a couple things here and there, but I really want to kind of dive out these, these three points of, uh, that as a, we can all work forward um, in this community. So 
Um, the first one, I'm going to reread verses 9 through 13, and if you have the scriptures with you, that, that'd be great. Um, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, you know, this one to me is the message that every, every good sermon should have, and that is, what are we to know? Well, you know, as Christians, there's lots of things we're to know, but simple gospel truth is essential. We are to believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus, God's own son, died for our sins and was raised again. Being a part of Two Rivers, this should be no surprise to you, but if it is or if it's something you haven't embraced, I do ask that you just take time to ponder this and, and seek it out in your own heart because from this, it, you know, your Christian life is built. Um, believing your heart, speaking in your mouth. You know, these, these truths. And, and this is also not only just to know it, but in a minute, this is what's going to be foundational for what you are to do and where you're to go. So um, I just, you know, earlier in this, chapter we didn't read the whole thing and and it makes sense because it would have just even opened more doors but Paul who we know is formerly Saul he was converted um, he was he was then pretty much ostracized by a large portion of his former community his former family the people his people they no longer saw him as part of their family Um, but early in this chapter Paul speaks directly to the fact that he still has a desire in his heart and he prays fervently to God that they will know the truth. So it is, it is upon his heart that once he knows this and he trusts that this knowledge given to him in faith will be one that can transform the lives of the Jewish people, those who have maybe, not maybe, but have uh, beaten him and caused him great harm and tied him in chains. So these are a people that he shouldn't love by our normal standards, but except by the grace been given to him, he wants them to know that so then they can have this in their heart. And so, um, you know, I, I do think that oftentimes we kind of confuse ourselves and say, well, this is this, and, you know, uh, there's this whole idea that even if we know, 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 that our heart and everything is transformed through the grace of God, there's so often times we put little things that we've done um, that help us say, yeah, I'm a good person. I'm, I'm rightfully part of God's family. And, you know, this is even so even the Jewish people who aren't following this course of, of, of justification by faith and professing in Christ. Um, they're trusting in their own righteousness, which comes through these works and these law. And, and so there was a quote, and I won't go too many old dead guys um, in this sermon, but, you know, I, I, it, would, it just wouldn't be right not to touch on this one from Calvin. Uh, and he says, For the word of the law by itself is never in our heart, 
no, not the least syllable of it, until it is implanted in us by the faith of the gospel. And then I ask you, what is the source of this faith in the gospel? And Hebrews 12, 2 tells us that Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. So from that standpoint, this is what we're to know. We know not only that this is what it is, but this is where it comes from. And so, you know, it kind of goes into verse 12, and this is one of those areas where it speaks about there's no distinction between the Jew and the Greek, for the Lord is the, sa- the same Lord is Lord of all. This is an area you can spend a lot of time. Why was Paul talking about this? You know, what, what implications are there to the different societies and everything like that? Well, for the sake of this morning's message, I just want to say it as simply and clearly as this. It is appropriate to think of this as the one way of salvation regardless of race, class, or geography. This is who we're to reach, no matter who you are, where you are, and what you look like. The same message applies. And so, you know, with, with that in mind, and with, with people in our lives that we love and care about who don't know the gospel of Christ, you know, the, the next question is, well, what are we to do? And so, um, I say we're, we're to be a part of something, And I'm going to read verses 14 through 15a again. Um, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to hear? Oops, sir. And how are they to believe in him who they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Well, this 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 is a special set of verses for me. Because I'm someone who loves a process. I love the step-by-step. Okay? And so then all I have to figure out is what's my role in this step-by-step. Okay? And, and so, you know, this is an exciting thing. Except for uh, this specific time, they bring it in the reverse order. Okay? And what they're doing is, you know, Paul's specific purpose is to say and catch to the people and the Christians who call on God... The, last, the very first portion of that, that says, remember from which you heard this news. And so during that time, you know, he, he backtracks through the process. And, and at least we as members of this church, and it was encouraging to see new members this morning. Um, some of you may not be members, but you're still members of the, the church and the community. Uh, and we're thankful for that. You know, we... We want to be one who remembers our testimony. Who told us that we may believe and who that we may believe and we may be calling our God? Okay? And so, you know, there's a reason why we like to read these old dead guys and ladies for that part. Their testimonies are oftentimes just amazing and marvelous and they bring us, bring us to tears, or at least me to tears. Um, and so these are things that, you know, we love to hear and they encourage us in our faith. And I, and I would tell you that that's your story as well. All of you have a story and a process by which you came to know this gospel message. And so, you know, there was, even if it wasn't a minister um, that did it, you know, let, let, for instance, some of you, you know, my own, my own testimony is I didn't come to faith until about my beginning of my sophomore year at the Citadel. And, and yeah, I had impact by a Lutheran minister. 
who kind of shared with me some things. I had um, a good witness by my then girlfriend, now wife's family. Um, but, you know, honestly, that repeated encounter with the gospel. But then when I was back at the Citadel and I was part of Fellowship of Christian Athletes, um, it was, it was that time when my eyes were open to a clear gospel message in my own condition and need of a Savior. And so, you know, it was special to me. And what that did oftentimes, too, was I would speak with people who were part of RUF. This was years ago when Barry Hudson was here and different things like that and had a chance to mentor some young students. And they wondered oftentimes, you know, well, I didn't really come from a Christian family. I don't know all these things. And you, you know what? That, that was my story too. And so the opportunity to share that message with them was just a, a real blessing to me. And I'm, I was thankful for it. And, and so I, I basically, I guess I'm trying to tell you is I'm encouraging you to do the same thing. If you don't think your testimony is amazing or marvelous, um, then I, I really ask you to revisit it. Because if you remember who you were as a sinner, it is a tremendous transformation. And so I'm just going to kind of go back on that a little bit and say, you know, all of this is your story again. And I want to talk about, you know, the scriptures kind of give us some roles as Christians. Ephesians 4.11 tells us that he himself, or God, gave some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. First Timothy says to show yourself to be an example of those who believe. Acts 22 says, for you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. You guys are in that list somewhere. You know, you are, you are called out by God to serve him. You've been given this knowledge of what it takes to be reconciled to him. And I ask you, you know, it, it may be the setting up of chairs. It may be um, just handing out flyers, it may be teaching, it may have the opportunity to be a consistent good witness in your workplace. All these are your roles, but I, I ask you, and I'm talking about this, not that I believe you're not, hey, that'd be a great thing, but it will drive you to a deeper intimacy with God for you to specifically search out and say, this is what I'm here to do. To work with a purpose and with a plan, and not just happenstance with good intentions do things. So I, I, really, I really pray that you guys, as a church and as a body in this community, will find your point, your person that you want to talk to, your role at your office, um, how you can serve. It sounds like we've got some great organizational engineering that's about to happen here at Two Rivers. And Lord, we need it. So it's, it's, these are good things. And I, and I just ask you to really search out that. That, that happened to me here uh, at Two Rivers. It, you know, I felt like I understood it. I, you know, I was part of some other church planting efforts. I was an elder in the PCA. I thought I understood it. But there was a point in time where it just... It seemed a bit random and without a focus. And it was at that time that I was able to commit to prayer and seek out what I am to do. And through that effort and acting upon that and seeking it, I personally was able to really grow in understanding and really lean on God. 
Okay? And so, you know, I'm, I'm a bit, I was, honestly, a bit of it was just plain old conviction with my laxity in my faith and giving the church and the gospel my leftovers. So, you know, there, so I don't know, um, a lot of you would maybe read Charles Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. It's been around forever. Um, I still read it. I read more evening now than I do morning. Um, but it's, it's, it's an effort. And in there, Charles Spurgeon says, you know, we, we're speaking about the, the idea of driving specifically and with purpose and not of in your faith and not being passive about it. And I long to feel the passion that this guy feels when he can write something like, are you placed where others are, sitting down idly, doing nothing, Rise to the work with all your powers, and when the sweat stands upon your brow and you're tempted to loiter, cry, No, I cannot stop, for I am Christ's. He was purchased with the blood of our Redeemer, and he didn't forget it. And each and every day, as you seek to serve and bring honor upon God, pray that you remember that. Don't loiter. Don't be tempted to give where you know you're not. Seek to serve with all your might. And so that challenged me. I'm not telling you this. I don't have it all figured out in two years um, in the mission field. It's only made me more aware of my weakness. Um, as a businessman doing well here and living in Charleston, there were trials and challenges. But... The reality is, it wasn't that bad. Nothing broke me, though, of my identity and brought me to a reliance on God, like knowing the call of my family was to leave and go overseas. Nothing broke me like that. And I'll tell you, when you're telling your family that they are to cast it all aside and follow you, you need to be sure of that call. That cross is now going on the backs of your children and your wife. And we are thankful to the prayers of this church and all of you to sustain us during that time. And we seek to serve in full light of that. And we're we're thankful for it. And so uh, it's really... A, a good an honor to preach the good news in Scotland, and um, I'm just kind of you know Phil kind of talked a little bit where Scotland was. I'm going to fill in a couple uh, gaps, and then I promise the last point is is quite short um, but challenging. And so, in Scotland, through your prayer support, um, our sending church. That last verse it says, you know, who are to go if no one sends us? Okay. That, that should ring true with you. Scotland is a country that once sent great missionaries all over the world. We don't have to go back to the 1500s. We can go to the 1900s, 1800s. We have David Livingstone going to Africa. We have Eric Little who made a mark across the whole world with what he did at the Olympics. And he didn't ride that glory. Instead, he went to China and gave those shoes to a Chinese man to escape as the army was coming and was going to kill him. 
That was that kind of guy. That was what Scotland was sending out at that time. And now it's a country of empty buildings that were once churches. These, These buildings are oftentimes beautiful, but the reality is, to me, they're just an ugly reminder of how far it's come away from its faith. It's, it's, a, it's a wasteland. Um, I meet people who tell me what they know what a Christian is in Scotland and because they've, they've seen something. And I was like, you've probably never met a Christian. You know, and, and so the reality is, it's, we, thankfully, you know, uh, I won't get into too much statistics and, and all of that, but you know, we're part of a denomination, the Free Church. David Robertson that he spoke of as a minister there. We did a formal census. We're now at a 2.7% as broadly evangelical as a country. Um, and so we're now we're in places like Edinburgh and Glasgow, which are tremendous PhD programs and all of these type of things. And they're now riding at 1%. You have all the Christians in Edinburgh wouldn't fill up the city football stadium. And that's not very big. It's not like Clemson's. Okay, so... Uh, I'm just trying to tell you that it is a tough, tough place. And when he spoke of is to secular to pagan, that's just where it is. Um, I'm, I'm thankful to be a part of there. And, and every time that when it's really, really dark and you focus on all these negative things, um, what happens though oftentimes is a light can shine through. And you can see God's work. And you can see how he's blessing things and bringing some fruit in place. And it just reminds you and gives you a fresh of what you're to do. And to encouraging you back to rise up and back to work and do not loiter. And, you know, one example that I have is, is you know, we went over there, um, Free Church of Scotland. I won't tell you all the stories, but there was a, it was a lot of transition of what I was going to be doing, and things changed at the last minute. Um, there was plenty of opportunity to get frustrated. Um, but we decided to just say, hey, this is where we're going to be. We might as well just take what they need, do whatever we're called to do. And so when I, you know, we went back and we talked about building this church planting network, and we look at the history. This is a denomination, you know, we have amazing music and and a Catherine sounded beautiful this morning, and, and just all these things. But in, in the free church, there was no instruments or hymns until 2011. I mean, this is not that long ago. You know, Two Rivers was five years old when this place got hymns. So their transition and what they're doing, there's a lot. They planted one church every seven years. I mean, that is, for an entire country, that is, that, that is not fast. So um, in, the, in the 2000s, they, they transitioned to one every three years. Um, in 2016, we were there, we had the pleasure there was, uh, to be a part of two church planting efforts. In 2017, there was three new church planting efforts. In 2018, we have four church planting efforts. Um, I, I can only pray that this tide is turning and, and, and the gospel is once again going to sweep through the country. We have a target just within our one little denomination of 13,500 people that we would plant 30 churches by 2030. And that's where we're going. And then I have, I have the, the great pleasure of coming home, um, sometimes discouraged, sometimes encouraged, to hear my wife speak about meeting with a Syrian refugee family who was 
The husband was shot by a sniper and is now bedbound in Aleppo. And she's helping them learn English. And she says that the Quran is out. And they're aware that, you know, we may be confused about what a Muslim is. And so they, they hedge and say, we're not like the ones on TV. We're not like that. And it just opens the door to say, well, guess what? We also have a book, the Bible. And it's an opportunity to share. And all of my children go over there, and everybody is a part of this witness. And Sarah Elizabeth has her own mighty ministry at 15, just 15 years old. These are the efforts in, in, from being sent out by which we can serve and be a part of. And we're, we're thankful for that. And so... Um, this program is for church planting is, is full on. We recruit, we assess, we train to the assessment. We coach these men. Um, and, and the tide is growing and, and we need more workers. And we're thankful for that opportunity. Um, so I, I just, I'm kind of kind of throw that out there and be done with maybe that effort right now. And if you want to talk more about it, we'll be in Chile in about 30 minutes. Um, and that, that's great. But um, I, I do, and Phil kind of stole this line a little bit from me earlier, but very, very few sons go down where we're not praying for Charleston and churches like Two Rivers in Charleston that they don't follow that same path. They don't take the path that the government will fix my problems and, and I don't longer need the Savior because someone else is going to take care of me. They no longer have personal responsibility for their sin because the churches quit preaching the idea of repentance. I pray that doesn't happen here in Charleston or at Two Rivers. And so I, my trust is in you. Um, my last, last point, and this is, this is a really brief one, um, is how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And I labeled this point, where are we to go? And it's a valid question. The Olsons went to Scotland. That doesn't mean you go to Scotland. The Millers are going to go to Greece. All of you will go home with the neighbors and friends and workers. Um, College of Charleston... Citadel, West Ashley, Daniel Island, and maybe Uganda. Who knows who this church will rise up next, send out, and where they'll go. Um, The Apostle Paul's feet took him all over the Mediterranean on his mission journeys. And I must admit that the warm sunshine, warm blue waters, warm beautiful beaches he experienced. Did I mention warm? (laughs) are not what we've experienced in Scotland, okay? Um, But such is the nature of your call and what you'll experience on that journey through the grace of God. Maybe we'll come visit the Millers. It's warm in Greece. So um, one last thing, and this will be the last paragraph, and then I'll I'll, I'll close in prayer, but the good news transforms lives wherever it goes just like it transformed yours and mine. A small church plant in Bluffton, South Carolina, there was a widow man around 80 years old named Ken. 
his wife's passing forced him to deal with his own mortality. And a 68-year-old missionary from Iowa had been obedient to the call and was able to meet this man and be a part of changing his eternity. Witnessing a successful man of many years come to faith and be baptized inspired all who were there. Another, a 23-year-old man on the Isle of Lewis in Scotland was prayed for by many, witnessed to by a recently converted brother, and again by an American missionary. He came to faith. He now knows what he needed, and he knows what to do and where he's going. Angus MacLeod, who sat in these chairs in August, is studying to be a minister in the Free Church of Scotland, and he plans to take that simple gospel message back to the Western Isles of Scotland. Amen. Let's pray. Lord in heaven, once again we give you thanks for your word and provision of grace that calls us out of the deep. This same calling opens our eyes to the way of our salvation. Draw us near unto you. Give us a vision to see how we are to be used. Lastly, give us strength and boldness to take the good news to others. In the name of Christ, amen.